You've found the Everything Apostolic Podcast. Delight your soul, feed your spirit, and sharpen your mind with anointed teaching and discussion on subjects such as faith healing, miracles, end-time prophecy, holiness, and everything that apostolics love. And now here's your host, pastor, author, blogger, and teacher, Charles Rodas. make sure that you knew about my book called The Urgent Need of the Hour. The subtitle is Revival Praying. Hi, this is Charles Rodas. If your prayer life needs reviving or you want to learn how to pray intercessory prayer and break through with great answers to prayer, I do encourage you to get this book. Now, I do want to read you a few testimonies. Now, a lady by the name of T. Bright writes, After reading this, I have a better understanding and drive to pray. And Christy W. writes, The chapter, Through the Veil, will make you put this book down and pray immediately. Great points of help all throughout this book. Brandon C. says, This is an absolutely incredible resource that will light a fire under you. One more. Shelley says, Other than the Bible, of course, this is one of the most important books I've ever read. Such wisdom and knowledge. Now, you can get The Urgent Need of the Hour on Amazon, or you can get it on my website at charlesarotis.com. Well, I hope you take a look at it. God bless. Well, praise the Lord. This is Charles Rodas with Everything Apostolic. Well, we're so glad to be with you tonight and excited. We have a we have a uh, guest with us tonight that's going to be sharing on the subject of the importance of biblical education. Uh, a pastor and friend of mine, uh, Daniel Bracamonte, and uh, yeah, we're just real excited about that tonight, and we're going to have a great discussion. So be sure to share this podcast on your favorite social media and spread the word and help us to reach more people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Pastor, God bless you. Thanks for coming on with us uh, today. Praise the Lord, my brother. It's good to uh, good to always connect with you. Yeah, and we don't do that uh, really enough, do we? <laughs> no, no, we don't. But you're quite a distance from me, so uh, it's usually by, well, it's only been by phone. I've actually never met you in person but uh that's right i've I've had a opportunities to speak with you on on different occasions and it's always been a a blessing it's been edifying well likewise uh i I count you as a dear friend and uh, just glad that you're doing what you're doing and what i know about you is not a lot but we're going to get to know you even more today and our we want our, our listeners to get to know you brother bracamonte and um so what I'd like for you to do, Pastor, is tell us uh, about your, a little bit about your church, maybe your family, uh, maybe even about your work background and uh, uh, about your, uh, your personal biblical education. Now, I'll tell you about mine. I've, I've been through a couple of schools, uh, 
one is called the School of Hard Knocks. I think we, we've all heard of that. Yeah. And, Amen. And, and another one I call the School of Bony Knees because I've had to stay on my knees a whole lot. <laughs> Amen. And, and pray myself through a lot of trouble. But, uh, yep. Yeah. So, hey, brother, jump right into it. Tell us about yourself. Well, I, uh, I pastor in Missoula, Montana. There's still snow on the ground today. Um, <laughs> it's been a long winter. Yeah. But a small church here called Word of Life and uh, uh, a beautiful church. We have a, a real intimate community here. And uh, we're, I guess you'd say we're apostolic to the core. Mm-hmm. And uh, we believe those those uh, important doctrines. Um, and so, yeah, we've been out here, me and my wife, my kids, we've been out here. I think we're going on 12 years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been a blessing. Hasn't been easy, but it's definitely been a blessing. And so as far as uh, the pastoral side, uh, that's what I do. Uh, Personal life, um, man, I I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins on September 27th, 1995. And uh, I received the Holy Ghost uh, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues in the baptismal waters. I came out Mm -hmm. with my hands lifted and speaking in in other tongues. And that was uh, kind of the beginning of my Mm -hmm my journey right all of us that's, that's where we we start that new birth right, experience right and mm-hmm. so um i don't know how many years is that what uh 95 and we are what in 20, 27 27 28 well yeah man i'm i feel old <laughs> hey don't don't feel old i had my holy ghost birthday last last week and that was 43 years <laughs> oh my goodness so you're the elder praise god <laughs> So really, uh, spiritually, I'm twenty. I'm twenty three years old, right? Or twenty seven years old, and you're you're forty three. So, uh, I guess uh, that's a good way of looking at it. But see, we're we're both old enough to get drunk on the Holy Ghost. Praise God, man! I try to do that every day. Yeah, I'm telling you. (laughs) Yeah, we need it. We need it, especially in the the hour we're living in. Right, Um, Right. But yeah, God's God's been good to me, and I've been in in a lot of different aspects of ministry from being a, I came out of the Apostolic Assembly, and uh, so I came up as a deacon there, and then I was eventually licensed as a minister. I was in uh, what they called, a, we, our church was mainly a Spanish church, so I was the English pastor for several years. Um, I worked in the administrative level, worked on district and sector levels, and all those kinds of things. Um, which are fun when you're younger, but as you get older, you just, <laughs> you, yeah. you don't want to do those things no more because of, of your time constraint. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and now, yeah, now I'm, I'm pastoring and um, uh, it's been good. And I'm also uh, in university, uh, attend Regent University School of Divinity there. And mm-hmm. I should be graduating with, you know, with the help of the Lord if everything goes right with uh, my master's in biblical studies on May 5th. Mm-hmm. Keep me in prayers. I'm, I've been wow. doing a lot of writing uh, with my master's thesis, and uh, wow. I see I see some other brethren graduating, and I get a, a little envious of them mm-hmm. and uh, wishing I was where they were just because of mm-hmm. uh, all the writing <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and research. Right, yeah. right. right. So, yeah, that's that's a little bit about a little bit about me in a nutshell. Currently, uh, that's what I'm doing. Well, you know. Brother, what I what I really um, like about you, um, just getting to know you uh, over the last couple of years, two or three years, I guess, a little bit, 
Uh, like you said, we haven't met in person, but uh, hopefully that'll happen one day. We're so far apart. I'm up, I'm up near Chicago and you're way out West. And, uh, but uh, I, I just appreciate your, you know, you're just, you, I feel you are a genuine person. You're not putting on airs as my late mother would say. Um, you're just you. And uh, I just take that as a spirit of humility but at the same time, uh, you're a man of God, and you love the Word of God, and you are you you love to study. You love the Word, and you're constantly growing, and constantly uh, just improving yourself uh, in that way. So I, I highly respect that, and uh, much more than I have done in that area. But so today we're going to talk about, as I've said, the importance of biblical education. And not necessarily just the fact that maybe, you know, Bible schools are, uh, you know, available. You know, that that's part of it. And not everybody can do that. I didn't do that. Right. Right. Um, but for some, that's an option and it works well. But uh, um, so we're just going to maybe shoot off into some different directions and let the Holy Ghost kind of just take over here. We might just have church here in a few minutes here. Amen. I'm, I'm all for that. <laughs> so how many years have you uh been involved in in your uh in christian education in, in a more formal way in a formal way well i guess let me think about that. that's a good question what would i consider formal like um as far as the university level or uh, ministerial education yeah uh, just kind of give us a breakdown on on both mm-hmm. well what um, the organization I came out of, the Apostolic Assembly, they had a ministerial training courses. They were called Tomo One and Tomo Two. Basically, they're they're yeah. doctrinal uh, courses, you know. And um, one of the things they wanted to emphasize back then was a good doctrinal foundation. And so that mm-hmm. was sort of a systematic study uh, through some of the the major doctrines, you know, the, the right. Holy Ghost and holiness and. Um, all those kinds of uh, doctrines that are are vital, that are critical to to the way we 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 believe and the way we we conceive of uh, living for God. And so, boy, that that would have been back in probably somewhere around the year two thousand um, when I kind of began to study the word formally. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as university, so I, this would probably be my my fifth year in the university. And then in between that, you know, I, I would uh, lend myself to different courses, different certificates here and there. Um, but nothing where it was uh, kind of at that, that university level of, of study. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I had, I had a uh, uh, credits, college credits. So I was able to, uh, when I went to Regent, avoid most of those prerequisites because those were already done, you know, the math and English and all that kind of stuff. Well, except for the math, but the U.S. Sure. history, science, all those things that, that are basics. Um, and so I was able to get through my bachelor's in, in biblical and theological studies in about uh, two years, I think. Mm-hmm. And then I've been doing the master's for the last two years. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be about going on five years total. Wow. So I guess formally that's, that's where I'm at, but I've always studied the word. I've always had a passion for the word. And I think when, uh, 
I first really started studying the word, it was more because I wanted to live in the freedom that God gave me right. uh, through the Holy Ghost. And so I knew that I needed to get the word into my heart. Uh, Psalm 119.11 says, um, what does it say? Uh, I got two verses mixed up. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so I, I saw there in, in the text that uh, the Bible was promising a tool for overcoming sin. And that was right. by getting the word in my heart. Right. right. And so that was kind of uh, what was driving me to study was that, you know, I wanted to live a life that was pleasing to God. And I knew where I came from and I knew some of the struggles I was going to have. So I needed something uh, besides my own intellect and my own uh, discipline that would be able to help me overcome. And that's kind of where uh, the study for the word came and just, and also just insights, you know, revelation mm -hmm. you know, all of us. Right. Praise the Lord, brother. I'm not sure if we lost you there. I'm not hearing you right now. Brother Bracamonte. Praise the Lord. And can well, you hear me? Oh, I can hear you now. There we go. All right. Uh, I don't know what happened. Got caught up into the third heaven. I don't think they have any cell towers oh. up there. Oh, hey, man. Praise God. If I was there, <laughs> I, I, I probably wouldn't come back. <laughs> uh, your halo fell off and you floated right back down, brother. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> your work uh, is not done. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know where, where we left off. Yeah, I'm not sure either, but let's let's just talk uh, maybe on the on the real basic level for just kind of starting out here. And I'll and I'll say this about myself: when at 17 years old, I received the Holy Ghost, and um, I, I in grade school and middle school and high school, I was not a reader. I could read, you know, but I didn't enjoy reading. I went through all until 17 years old. Uh, and I can shamefully say I never read a never read a book. Oh wow! Did I read in books? Yeah, but to ever, you know, book assignments and English class and things like that. Yeah, like I said, I'm shamed. I wouldn't I wouldn't tell young people that, you know. But if they're listening, I'm not. Right. An ex I was not an example. But after I received the Holy Ghost, I knew, I knew that I needed to learn this word, and I prayed a simple prayer, and I said, God. You know I hate to read. You know I don't like to read. I, I just don't enjoy reading. And I prayed that exact prayer, probably very close word for word, very simple. And I said, Lord, I need you to help me. Give me a desire for this word because I want to learn it. And I'm telling you, Brother Bracamonte, it was like almost immediate. I had a desire that has not been quenched since I got such a desire to read. And it wasn't just the Bible at that point. I enjoy reading a Reader's Digest. It's not even about the Bible, but, you know, <laughs> I haven't read the right. Bible. I haven't even seen one of those in years. But I'm just saying, um, and, uh, you know, next thing you know, just, uh, just in a few short years, uh, you know, I, I find myself as a young man going through some great trials. And, but it drove me to the Word because I, I knew. One thing that I did not want to backslide because I know that people backslide in trials. You right. know, I had seen it and I made up my mind. I'm not going to quit. 
and I, I begin to memorize the scripture. And I begin to memorize, because I remember my first pastor, and he told the ministers, and I was not a minister in that church. I was young. Uh, that's where I received the Holy Ghost. But, you know, there were several ministers, a number. But I heard that he told them once that you need to memorize as a preacher a scripture right. every week, a scripture right. every week. And that's what he and I, I That always stuck with me. And so through this trial, I'm thinking, OK, I've got to overcome because the trial was between my ears. All right. Is where the real trial was. Most of it. OK. And so I begin to memorize two, three and four Bible verses a week. Every week, just week after week after week, I had the three five five index cards and I was in the insurance sales at 19, 20 years old. I'm driving through Chicago on my appointment. So I'm in the car a lot. I could be in the car hour, hour and a half. So I had that index card and I'm, you know, constantly focused on that scripture to memorize it. And then I would set it aside the next week, whatever I memorized, and then I would review those. I wanted to stick, you know, I want to keep those, didn't want to lose them just, and then then I would come home at night and because of the trial that I was going through and I would get what Bible books I had, what Bible study books I had, I had several were given to me, whatever. Uh, and I would get those out with my Bible and I would begin to study two, three, four hours a night. And it was several nights a week. I would do that. And so I was, what was I doing? I was trying to fill my mind with the word of God, but see the right. devil, I thought about this many times the, the devil with all of his attack against my mind, he really messed up. Because I filled my brain with so much word <laughs> that still yes. today, much of it is there, you know, decades right. later. And so right. uh, just on that level, let's let's talk about that on that level of study, the importance you feel, the importance of a young man, young woman, somebody just getting in church. Should they just depend upon that Wednesday service, that Thursday Bible study or Sunday services and just kind of, hey, man, I got some good word. I mean, what, what should that person do? No, no, you're you're right. You know that's that's not enough because, you know, if you're going to look at that that text we were talking about in Psalm one nineteen eleven, that word have I hid in my heart. Um, Wednesday night and Sunday night is not enough to, uh, I guess, you know, use technical terms to go through the process of impartation, and that's what memorization does, right? Mm. Uh, you begin the 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 word, the written word, the text. There, it leaves that written format and it's imparted into your heart uh through the avenue of, of memorization and whatever the motive for the memorization you know like you you said you know it's trials you know your trials were were kind of motivating you and the fear of backsliding due to the trial um maybe your motivation is you just want to know him better or you want to be able to witness better whatever the motivation is it, mm -hmm. it could be all of the above there has to be more than sunday and wednesday um, because what happens when, um, you know, on Sunday and Wednesday, you're taught principles, um, but they're not rehearsed. Those things have to be rehearsed for them to uh, be imparted in, into your heart. And that's really the beginning of Bible study is making sure that there's a process of impartation mm -hmm. where that you're looking at the text and it's not staying in the book, but that it's, it's coming out of the book and it's uh, being it's getting rooted in, into your heart. And, you know, basically the way you do that is obviously um, by reading, learning to read, write. That's number one. I think one of the things that happens, and this happened to me as, as a young man, is, in, and I think it's a good motivation. You're motivated to read the whole Bible. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone should read the Bible from, from front to back, from Genesis to the last 
page of Revelation. I, I believe that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But what happens is you can read so fast that you don't retain anything. You don't oh, chew on yeah. the word. Right. You don't digest. Right. And so I think one, one of the best things you can learn to do is to read the Bible in sections and to meditate and study on that section and mm. to, you know, look, look at sentences and words and look at the ideas and even the time and the place and the people that we're talking and, mm. and seeing if there's any associations between what you're going through and what they were going through, even though that was maybe an ancient framework, you know, it's an ancient time and right. you know, how do I relate? But how, you know, you could say, you know, you're reading something and say, um, well, I was reading about, uh, I was reading about Esther the other day, for example. And one of the things that occurred to me was that, you know, she was taken captive. She was, she was taken out of her, her comfort zone. She was right. taken away from her people. Right. And these ideologies were forced on her. She was forced to take on the persona of, of all the women that sat in that uh, castle, so to speak, uh, of mm -hmm. the king. They had a mm -hmm. certain standard that they have. Well, we can, uh, uh, that's akin to, to the world for us because she left her house and she was in, in a strange house. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we, we could look at is, is make an association. And maybe there's a lot of young people who are uh, associating with the world in, in a different way now. And they're losing their identity because of those associations. And so you can look at someone like Esther and you can uh, make those connections and the word comes alive. Right. And right. so and, and you do that by meditating on a certain portion of text, you know, a, a book, a chapter a section mm -hmm. of the chapter mm -hmm. and asking the Holy ghost to help you make those associations so that you can, you can find strength in the word of God. And I think that's, you know, to this day, even as a pastor, as a Bible teacher, you know, um, as, as the writer, all these things, my study of the word of God uh, always begins with a personal application. How is it applying mm -hmm. to me? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Did we lose your brother again? No, no, I'm here. Okay, all right. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome stuff there. Um, you know, as a young man, uh, I used to go to what we called camp meetings a lot. Uh, and now they term them conferences, I guess, a lot. But uh, I remember one camp meeting I was at in the South, and they had a, a, a fairly young preacher. You know, say He might have been late 20s, early 30s, but he was a pastor. Uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, this is decades ago, but I'll never forget him. And uh, because when he preached, he so inspired me with the word. Mm. And the reason he inspired me, because virtually everything that came out of his mouth was scripture quotations. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he wasn't showing off, but he, he knew his subject. And whatever his subject was, he had the scriptures memorized to keep rattling them off during his message. Not that he was right. just up quoting scriptures. He wasn't. It wasn't that at all. But I, I don't know how many scriptures he quoted. It was a lot. Um, and I think that is so key um, that we learn scripture to the point they can be quoted at least in, to some extent, because 
you know, I, I've been in this since 19, I've had the Holy Ghost since 1980. I've been ministering the word since 85. And, you know, we've got access to YouTube. We've got apps, have access to all these podcasts. And, you know, wherever you want to hear preaching, you can preach it. You can hear it. You know, you can listen to it. Right. And there's a lot of cases where you could hear a whole hour message, 45 minutes, and there may be no scriptures quoted. And I'm not criticizing, but that word uh, to me has got to back up what we're saying. And, and it's, it says something about the minister, the preacher, that he is not just, you know, he's not just a spokesman. And I'm not calling those that don't quote scripture just a spokesman. I don't mean that at all, because there are some mighty preachers that don't quote scripture mighty preachers and greatly used of God, but it seems to enhance, at least in my ear, it seems to enhance um, the, the ability that, okay, I don't have to look down and read uh, my scriptures because it's rolling off my tongue as this, as the message from God is. Am, am I making kind of any sense with that and, and trying to explain that? Brother Bracamonte. Well, we're kind of going in and out here with Pastor Daniel Bracamonte. And um, no doubt he'll jump back in here with us again when you, if you can hear me. I can uh, hear you. Praise uh, the Lord. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you were able to hear all of my comments. I, I was. I was. Oh, okay. I was yeah. About to comment on it. I was, you know, um, yeah. You know, as far as the, the quoting of scripture, I think it's it's critical. Um, number one, as, as far as me, just personally, when I preach, I I quote scripture because um, I think there's two reasons. When I number one, when I first started preaching, my pastor said, "Hey, if you get stuck, just quote a scripture." <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> so I took that to heart. I said, "I gotta always have some scriptures to quote, right?" <laughs> and, and, boy, my first time preaching, uh, you you there was no way you would think I was called to preach. Um, I have people laughing at me more than I have them uh, praising God, <laughs> but, but God was merciful. Um, but, and, and the second thing is that, you know, I think um, quoting scripture, what it does, it, it brings uh, the authority of the text into the preached word. And so like when you, you read the, when you read the Bible, for example, the book of Acts or, or you see Paul and you catch those, um, sections where for example where Stephen is is preaching uh, in, in Acts chapter 8 um, he's quoting text or at least he's rehearsing the story of the Bible mm -hmm. um, into the ears of a familiar audience and so uh, that brings an authority uh, to the preacher because people all um, they're able to make a connection hey this man reads the word of God he knows what he's talking about right, right. and so it, it kind of it helps take down their defenses a little bit and, and they can believe a little stronger because they feel like, yes, you are a Bible reader. You're not just pulling things out of the air. Right, because else, if you go ahead, no, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was just saying, uh, the other thing too is um, sometimes I think, and, and it depends on the context of, of the sermon um, and the direction of it, you may stop and say, you know, maybe you're not going to quote it, but you may take the congregation there and say, let's read it mm -hmm. as well, you know, and that's, mm -hmm. that's just as valuable 
depending on the flow of, of the sermon or the teaching. And I think, you know, I think as you grow um, in your pulpit ministry or your teaching ministry, you kind of learn that when it's when it's time to quote, when it's time to read, but when it's time to just preach, mm. you know, but I, I think we have to have that in our arsenal, um, the, the word memorized so that it can be quoted in, in the context of preaching. Right, right. And of course, you know, as we said, it's 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 not necessary. There's a lot of great ministers that are very used of God that, that, that don't quote. But um, for me, I mean, it's my choice. It's as a minister, as Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And they are I, life, I, yeah. I, I think the words of God and, you know, near 900,000 words in the Bible. I think there's more weight in that than my my mere words or just right. my stories that I want to tell, which are important too. But uh, that you know, typically you know, I, I try to keep uh, my when I'm preaching my messages at about give or take forty five minutes. But what if I use five verses that I've read from? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I'll have more. Sometimes I'll have less. But but what if at the same time with that, just maybe three or four or five more verses are rolling off my tongue and it's not, right. to imp- it's not to impress people, but it's to, but it's to captivate the mind in the scripture to keep re-verifying what God is saying through the text. Because as you said, when someone sees okay, this is a person that studies, they, they've done their homework, they do their homework. And they're not struggling. And so I think your pastor gave a, uh, a good point there. Maybe I need to memorize some more scriptures so I don't get stuck so often. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think one of the things you're talking about quoting multiple verses is, um, and, and the, the truth is, is that sometimes what it is, it's that one text will open their eyes to another text. And so sometimes when you quote one text, you use another text to, kind of as a key to open up or unlock um, mm. what God has in that wow. text. Yeah, so wow. that's that's the importance of, I think, quoting text and using them interchangeably to unlock, um, uh, interbiblically, to unlock the, the truths that are, that are in there. Sometimes that's where the skill of using and handling the Word of God rightly comes in to play, is that I have this capacity to, uh, because I have the Word memorized and I've meditated on it, I can make the connections between key texts and use one to interpret the other um, and bring deeper insights for those that are, that are hearing me. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm going to just give my personal opinion on um, when I study, I, I primarily use the King James Version. I always have. I have, you know, a nice PC Bible program on my computer. It's got a lot of all the extra books, lexicons, you know, all the extra helps. It's, it's pretty elaborate. Um, and I've had that for years, but I try to stay with one version. And, and now I, I look at other versions and sometimes I use them and, um, right. and, and I don't see any problem with that because sometimes it gives us a, a different vantage point of the scripture, uh, of what God is trying to say. But I think for the individuals that this is just my opinion, the individuals that go back and forth constantly and they don't stick with any one version and, and they're constantly reading 
multiple versions, two, three, four versions on a regular basis, they are never really going to memorize any scripture. I, I mean, I'm sure you have too. I've memorized scripture, not even by effort, but because I've read that passage so many times. Right. You know, and it's right. been you know, Romans six. I, I don't know that I've, I, I've purposefully memorized uh, some scripture from Romans six and Romans eight, but you know, I, have, I over the years I have just studied and read those passages so much that I've naturally memorized them. But if right. I was always going to the New Standard Version, the New King James Version, and the Revised Version, you know, how in the world are you going to memorize anything naturally speaking? I'm not talking about, you know, with the index card, but just because it happens so much, you know, it's, right. you know, and I think that's when people are studying, they lose that. And they don't realize they're losing that possibility to, to take in the word just by the natural study of it and, and, and gain that memorization without, you know, purposeful yeah. e effort. I, I think there's some truth to that. You, you do have to pick a version um, to memorize. And, and I, you know, I started off with the KJV. And so um, before I got into any other translations, um, it was KJV. So I've spent so much time memorizing in that version. I just can't. I can't even think about memorizing in any other version. Um, I'm like you, I do use other translations. <laughs> I, I do use other translations as far as uh, for study, for bringing clarity. Um, but, you know, and I don't, it, in, you know, if someone was memorizing in another translation, I'd be okay with that. And it's, mm -hmm. it's not going to bother me, but I think you have to, mm -hmm. you have to make a choice and say, Hey, you know, I'm going to stick to this translation yeah. and uh, I'm going to go forward you know, I had someone they they were criticizing me because I was uh, I was using the ESV to explain something, and they said, mm -hmm. "Oh no, no, we have to use use the KJV." And and I said, "Well, what's wrong with the ESV?" And they said, "Well, it's a uh, it's a Trinitarian translation." And I said, "And how many of the translators of the KGV, KJV were one as Pentecostals?" <laughs> <laughs> historically there's none right when you look at the history of translation none of them were, were one is pentecostals um right. we don't know them some of them might have believed in, in one god like we do we don't know but uh that's kind of a, a straw man argument there uh you, you can't use that argument for for that i mean if you're gonna go yeah. to <laughs> right and you start memorizing in greek and hebrew and then you gotta pick uh what what line of text you want to use you know and you want... <laughs> right <laughs> just just stick with one brother <laughs> yeah 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 pick one well, and go they're they're all tools but you know you just got to have your favorite hammer there you go that's, what did the, what did the prophet yeah, say that he said that word is like a hammer that breaketh the rocks into pieces you know right. it's just uh you know that word is in you know that how does it that that word is in how does it go I've got two or three scriptures trying to quote it one time, but I better let that go before I quote a, a wrong version. <laughs> there, there you go. You, you've been trying to use multiple versions and that's what happens. <laughs> well, I would have to say that whoever uh, in the days of King James translated Matthew 28, 19, he, he might've got mixed up a little bit on that one from what I read, but. Uh, right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. There's, there's a lot of, um, how do you say, uh, scholarly debate over that that text you know but yeah. um either way you know you have uh, the whole bible the whole word so it, it, it's it's uh 
we, we, we can still come to the right conclusion um, right. because you have a whole whole word of God. Right. So, and that word name is still singular there. So, hey, praise God. Well, was it as Proverbs? If, as or... if you were going to do it right, you'd have to say something like, if you were going to do Matthew 28, 19, like you're proposing that it needed to be done, you'd have to, like, you could either do one singular baptism and go really quickly. You could say, in the name of Yahweh, in the name of Jesus, and then try to figure out which name you're going to use for the Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which the only time is, is, is really the Spirit is referred to as He is in, I think, John 15. And it's because of the, the Greek comforter that used the word comforter is used there as a title. But so you'd have to try to, you could either do a singular or you could do three dips, each of the names, or you could just do it like the apostles did who <laughs> understood what Jesus was teaching them and said, right. Hey, in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, who was it? Uh, was it Solomon that said much study is weariness to the flesh? It is. You know, because you, you know, you sit for three, four hours in that book and you've hardly moved and you can feel quite exhausted when you get done. Right. But you feel but so it's good something at the we same have to time. do. Yeah. It's something it, you have to do. And Paul said, you know, you have to study to show thyself approved. Right. You know? Right. Approved unto who? Unto God. That's right. So we're not approving to man, we're approving to God. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A work. You know, and that you. speaks for the, the motivation for studying the word of God. You know, I was telling my wife this uh, a couple of days ago, since we're talking about the subject, that when I, I first realized that I had a, a capacity for memorizing uh, scripture, for memorizing verses, I, I, I like to memorize whole chapters and whole sections wow. um, of the text. Um, I noticed I was really young in the Lord. <laughs> I'd probably only been baptized a year, and I was memorizing a lot of text. And I noticed that uh, it impressed a lot of the brethren. You know, and so it was a way of uh, affirmation. And sure. so what happened was for there was a while there that I was memorizing because I was memorizing to impress, mm -hmm. not so much to be approved by God. And then right. God put me in a little trial and memorized because I want to please him and, and not impress the brethren. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, the mo the motive got off track there for a few minutes, but the, the end result was you still had memorized the word. Correct. So, yeah. And, yeah. And, he doesn't waste anything. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, yeah. it's, it's powerful. That word yeah. is, is power. We you know we could sit and go through the scriptures and no doubt you could quote how that, you know, it's just life to your flesh. And it's just, it's just, there's so much, it's just so much. And, and I want to talk about, you had touched on a little bit a few minutes ago, uh, the difference between reading and studying because um, my dad, my late dad um, grew up um, in a denominal church, and never received uh, this truth that we believe. But um, one of his pastors, I, I got to meet, actually I was invited to preach there, um, when he was out of town, they, I guess they're a little bored there, uh, voted uh, with my dad's recommendation to let me preach. He said, well, just don't uh, preach about speaking in tongues. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. But I, I, but I gave my ear full, though, in, in a good, positive way. But uh, the, the pastor would brag how many 
times that he would he read the Bible, read the Bible. I mean, I read it through, you know, 43 times or some large number. I have to admit, I, I haven't read the Bible through, through and through just, you know, much. I, I've read the whole Bible. Yeah. But, you know, I, I've done a lot of word studies and subject studies, especially a lot of subject studies. I'll take a subject. And I'll study that and I'll dissect it. Maybe it's a subject of holiness and I could spend months on that or, you know, prophecy and spend years on that, you know, and, and, right. and the, where I could learn it and, and, and take all the helps, Bible helps that I can and the Greek and the Hebrew. And I'm not anywhere near any kind of a Greek and Hebrew. I, I can't even say my ABCs in, in Greek. So, but, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, thank God for the helps. You know, right? Uh, w Vines and you know the Strongs and all the different ones out there that that we use are are so crucial for somebody that wants to get serious about the study of the Word. Right. Yeah, I think uh, that uh, systematic study, right, is is what you're talking about there, mm -hmm. um, where you take a, a subject and and you you search it out systematically through the text, you know, and, right. one God, you know, I remember doing one God and uh, starting in Deuteronomy 4.35, you know, um, and then going to 6.4 and mm -hmm. making my way into Isaiah and Malachi and um, all the way up to John chapter 1, you know, 1.1 1, 1 and one fourteen and Second uh, Timothy 3.16 and just systematically going through through the oneness. Right. Um, and I remember uh, each one of those verses, what I would do is I would write a paragraph about what I thought of what that meant. Mm. Um, and then I would try to find scriptures. And I had in my Bible, I had little arrows next to that text mm. pointing forwards and backwards. So I knew if I opened that Bible, my Bible, uh, I could go backwards um, to the text that I came from, or I could go forward to the next text. So it was a great help when I gave Bible studies on, on one God. And so that's a, mm. um, systematic bible study and you know it's real beneficial for uh, learning doctrine and, and and building a good foundation but i think what happens with with and, and i learned this later in life is that sometimes you can you do so much systematic study that you can miss the big story mm. and so like you have to you have to learn the story of the bible the story that that God is telling mm -hmm. from from the beginning to the end, and then and and within that, then you find how those systematic doctrines fit in there, and, and what God is trying to do, trying to accomplish uh, through these doctrines, right? Because people think, oh, doctrine, that word, right? And God is just trying to be a disciplinarian, and you know, mm -hmm. keep me in this this bubble of, of holiness, and right. and it's because you don't see the big the big story and you don't right. understand uh the identity that he's trying to shape in you uh through his word in other words i was telling my kids this for example um the passover like we we have a real poor understanding of the passover as, as one as pentecostals we don't mm -hmm. i heard a man say one time he says catholics overemphasize the passover and one is pentecostals underemphasize the passover mm -hmm. the, the holy supper mm -hmm. and and it's real important because it's a story of where we come from, who we are, and where we're going. 
Uh, for example, the Jews, when, when they celebrate the Passover, they always leave, uh, they always fill an extra cup. And it represents all those children. It, it represents the next generation that's going to come. Mm. And those who are backslidden and aren't present at their hope is that they will be celebrating with them the next Passover. Oh, wow. Right. And then, so when they take the Passover, they always feel like they're taking it with Abraham and Moses. That they're all at the table. Sure. Mm -hmm. And so they identify with the whole story of the Bible. And I think that's sometimes when we study the Bible is we don't always we we look at it from from the outside as Paul's uh, testimony or what Peter did. And we forget that we're just a handshake away from them. And really that it's brother Peter, it's brother Paul, mm -hmm. that they are they are just right there. They're not too far from us. And we we are part of the same story. And so you have to read the Bible that way as your story and find your place in it and understand that you're not a new part of the story, but you're part of the continuing story that God is developing, right? And, and that's what happens when you read the Bible slowly and you begin to identify with the stories in there. It's, mm -hmm. not, it's, it's not their story. It's my story. It's our story as apostolics, right. Right. you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's us. I mean, if you think about it, so you think about what Joel was prophesying in 228, right? Mm -hmm. He was right. prophesying his future event. Peter, right. Peter quotes Joel, chapter 2 of Acts, it comes to pass. This is what the prophet Joel sp spake of, mm -hmm. right? And then every time someone receives the Holy Ghost, that's, re that's rehearsed again. Sure. And, and your, your uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Your... You become part of that story. You're emerged into the story, right. and um, when you read it that way, I think what happens, especially in in the, the hour we're living in, with you see, there's an identity crisis. A lot of this gender identity, right? Who you know, right. I'm male? Am I female? Am I whatever terminology they they use? Well, the people of God, they really have to know their identity. So there's no struggle with who we are. We know who we are and what we believe and and where we came from, where we're at, and where we're going. Mm -hmm. that's incredible yeah I, man that's that's some good stuff right there elder you know um as the scripture says that god said my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge yes. and um, he didn't just say the church world because you know the church world itself non-apostolic we you know we're not here to criticize but we know we know there's a, a great knowledge difference and not that they don't know anything but we you know we're just starting with the new birth and that's why I'm not going to personally uh, delve into uh, too many studies of non-apostolic because there's not a great revelation. Uh, maybe unless someone has the Holy Ghost, they can be more revelatory, um, even though they don't have a full revelation of Jesus' name. But when he said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He didn't say lack of church attendance or lack of giving or lack of a lot of things, but that knowledge, knowledge is strength, knowledge is power. That information, that, that it, it gives confidence when a person has that knowledge of the scripture. You know, it's not to give us arrogance, but, but, we, but we're confident in what we know by because we've personally studied out. I had a pastor who used to say something that was very important. 
I felt and I've always stuck to it and believed it and practiced. But he would preach and he would teach and he was a good teacher. And he would say, listen, when I when I teach something, don't just believe it because I he said, you go home and study it out and learn it for yourself, though he would break it down. But he stressed that, you know, something he said on a regular basis, study it out yourself. And I don't know how much of that goes on today. We we're almost like, you know, we can be like the Roman Catholic Church that says the priest says, I said it. That's the way it is. You don't need to read it. You don't need to worry about it because I'm speaking the word. Well, we've got to have we've got to have this hidden in our own heart, you know, because whatever was preached Sunday each day that goes by, I'm forgetting some of that, you know, the next day I've already forgot half of it at least. And then, right. you know, it, so, but if I could take it home, you know, if I'm not familiar with the subject, you know, I like the subject of the, the sufferings of the Lord. One day I decided to study on, on, on the, the beating of the so-called cat of nine tails. And, and, you know, I'm not going to go into all that, but I learned that, you know, there was no cat of nine tails. It's as the scripture calls, it was a flagellon and the cat of nine tails was created, you know, hundreds of years later with the pirates and the, the whip that they used was way different than what's described by many. And, and another big thing, even with that study, but you learn these things because you do study and it's it's misquoted a lot, <clears throat> not to be critical, but it is. It, it, the Bible never says that Jesus was beat with 40 stripes. The scripture doesn't say that. It doesn't say he was beat with 39 stripes. It says that Paul was beat with 40 stripes or 39 stripes, but it didn't say Jesus was. And then I begin to study that and just, you know, in my own, you know, nothing official, no college education here, but just by studying, I learned that the Jews, when they ordered a beating, it was done one way. And when the Romans ordered a beating, it was done another way. Right. Okay. So it was the Romans that beat Jesus with, yes. with, with that flagellon. And there was no law. There was no limit. They had no number, no maximum. Okay. And But the Jews did. They had a, they had a law of 39 or 40 stripes, but it was not the Jews that beat Jesus. We don't know how many times he was beat. That's just an example that we could take to the table and say, wow, that's a revelation. That really changes the story. We don't know how bad he was beat. Was he beat with that flagellon 10 times or was it 60 times? We don't know, but we know he almost died. But anyway, that's just an example of an importance of study so we can get the truth not just a Jesus name truth, not just the Holy Ghost, not just the oneness of God, but there's all kinds of nuggets in that scripture that we can keep learning. And, you know, right. it's fun. It really is fun. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and it's, I think, um, well, I don't think I know it, it's critical for preserving our faith and for preserving that, Paul would say that form of doctrine that was first delivered to you, right? Um, in Romans chapter 6, I think it's verse 17, says that you were the servants of sin, but you obeyed from that heart, that form of doctrine that was delivered unto you. Great. And and I think, you know, for me, w- one of the things that, not to diverge, but one of the things that pushed me to uh, the university and to, to studying, people ask, you know, why, why would you do that? You know, why would you go to a Trinitarian university, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, study those things? And I think one of the things that uh, motivated me was the realization that 
there are, even within our movement, different theological streams that have filtered in. Mm-hmm. And, and they've, they've filtered in different ways. Through music, they've, they've filtered in through, uh, through books, sure. right? Sometimes right. You're, you're reading something you don't, you don't understand what you're reading. It looks good. It sounds good. There seems to be overlap in, in what you believe. And um, so you can accept it. And then you start teaching it and, and preaching it. Um, and it might sound good and feel good and not necessarily be uh, that form of doctrine, that form of teaching that was delivered unto you. Sure. And I think, you know, one of the big things that I see, Brother Rudis, uh, just to kind of move, move the, the needle here, mm-hmm. is that in, at the pastoral level, at the ministerial level, there is a need to study other doctrines that are non-apostolic. Mm-hmm. And it's for this reason, so that you can discern when it's a non-apostolic stream. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. I know brethren personally who who advocate a reformed view of, of uh, theology. And it's not apostolic. We're not, we're not reformed, right? right. Or they, they, they take certain points of the five points of Calvinism and they start uh, embracing some of those teaching, teachings. And, uh, and, and that's not, not apostolic. That's not the doctrine of that primal church, those first apostles and, and what they were teaching, right? Those core right. doctrines. Right. Um, but it sounds good because they put scripture to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you have uh, you some men that are calling themselves a reformed apostolic. One is Pentecostal. So I'm like, oh, wow. Well, you yeah. know, and it's, it's not any doctrine that the apostles would recognize. But the thing is, if, if you don't recognize them, it's hard to pick up on them. It's hard to notice that, that that's being injected into the church. And so for me, that was one of the big factors of pursuing, uh, uh, how do you say, theological education on, on a deep level was I wanted to have the capacity to pinpoint and say, uh-huh, I don't think so. No, that's, we're, we're not teaching that. We're not preaching that. We're not singing that mm-hmm. um, because that's not our theology. That's right. not what, that's not what we believe. And so, um, I think for, for pastors or people that are in a, a teaching capacity, they need to, to be able, first of all, they have to be founded in, in the apostolic doctrine. That's right, right. first and foremost. Right. Um, and then you have to be able to, you have to learn how to read and filter it through apostolic kidneys. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> okay. I hadn't heard it that way, but that's good. Yeah. Filter it through apostolic kidneys and say, hey, you know, this um, this isn't an apostolic uh, doctrine. This is an apostolic teaching. Right. Um, there's just a lot of teachings like that 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 are flowing through our, our movement stuff. I used to believe, actually. And then when I really got into the scripture and said, wait, this is really not biblical. Right. <laughs> right. Right. You know, this is really not not what we believe or what we should be teaching. This is. This would be foreign to what the apostles taught. This is not one of those core doctrines. This is a man-made doctrine, or right. uh, at, at best, it's a pseudo-doctrine. It's kind of a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have to study not just the apostolic doctrine, but we have to be aware of other teachings so that we can filter those and we can tell young men and, and young women, like, no, that's that's not biblical. That's not apostolic. That's not... That's not the way. That's not the truth. That's not the life. 
Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I would have to to say and and know that you know, and just to reset for everyone else, that Pastor Bracamonte would be sure to agree that before that, there has to be a strong, strong um, foundation in the Apostles' Absolutely. Doctrine. Absolutely. Because yeah. then you it, don't have anything to measure it with. <clears throat> exactly, yeah. Otherwise, then you just become, you wind up deceived, you know, because there are spirits with those doctrines Absolutely. That, that you begin to entertain. And because the spirit is not speaking of, of, of the true Messiah and his oneness. But, uh, Elder, we are almost out of time, but before we, we, we say uh, adios to all of our friends out there, um, I'd like for you to just um, speak to, take a minute or two and speak to that individual, that, that person right now. There's somebody sitting in front of you, and they're, you know, they really want to get started. They really want to dive in to start studying and getting serious to learn the word. And uh, what, what would you say to that person? Fall in love. Fall in love with the word. Um, the psalmist, Psalm 19, Psalm 19 says it's like honey. It tastes good. Mm, wow. But it, it needs to be chewed on. It needs to be digested. And don't get stuck in things you don't yet understand when you're reading the word. Move forward. If you have questions, write it down. But keep moving forward and let the Holy Ghost, let the Holy Ghost guide you into, into your reading and let the Holy Ghost help you fall in love with the word where, it, where you just can't live without it. That you have to read it every day. You have to eat it every day. <laughs> just fall in love with the word. And the word will bless you. The, the word will, will give you guidance, direction. There was a young man I was working with one time, and, and he was, you know, he, he, he didn't have direction. And I, I told him, I said, the reason you don't have direction is because you don't have a blueprint. You don't have a map. You don't have anywhere to go to. And so you go to people, and you go to different sources, and you mm -hmm. have different ideas. But when you have questions, and, and you need direction in life, and you need answers, the word, the word will be your book of wisdom. It'll be right. your, your truth. It'll be your guide. And it will never fail you. It'll mm. always bless you. The word's a blessing. It's a huge blessing. And you'll never get bored with the word if you fall in love with it. You might get bored with the preacher. <laughs> you might get bored with the book. Uh, but you'll never get bored with the word of God. Not if you fall in love with it. That's right. Not if you really read it because you love it. There's two, there's two different kinds of readers, right? There's, there's that read it because they have to read it to fulfill their, their duty and to feel like, mm -hmm. okay, I read my five chapters today and now I can mm -hmm. go on about my business. But they really didn't take anything from the word. Mm -hmm. And then you have the other one that he read one chapter, but he meditated on it. And yeah. He wow. it and he ate it. And he thought about it all day and he carried. Man, that is so crucial. Yeah, and, you know, I, I so agree and I see that because, um, you know, even to this day, I, I, at times I will just stop and I'll take 
maybe a section of a, of, of a chapter uh, and I'll read it and reread it. And sometimes I'll, it's got 20 verses and this sounds silly, but I, you know, just because of my brain, how it works, I, I just want to make sure I'm not missing. I'll start at 20 and read 19 and go all the way to one. I'll just, uh, you know, I'm just trying to make sure I'm not missing anything. And um, so there's some awesome stuff there. Pastor, we're so glad uh, that you were on with us today and uh, taking the time. And it's been great. Man, this is a discussion I could easily go another hour with. And I'm sure you could, too, like uh, as a man that loves the word as you do. But uh, so all to all my listeners, uh, thank you for being on this podcast. Be sure to be sure to share this on your favorite social media. And if you haven't given us five stars on this podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. It helps advance it and grows it in the apostolic and Christian community. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Amen. And again, this is uh, Charles Rodas uh, as your host uh, on this podcast. And thank you again for listening to everything apostolic. God bless all of you in Jesus name. Thank you for listening to the Everything Apostolic Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave a rating and review for it as it provides tremendous feedback to this ministry. Don't forget more resources are available at www.charlesarodis.com. There you will find Pastor Rodis's books and also the newsletter and a free gift when you subscribe to the newsletter. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. If you want to enhance your altar working ability, anointing, and passion, I would recommend taking a look at my book called How to Help Someone Receive the Holy Ghost. The subtitle is An In-Depth Guide for Altar Workers. Hello, this is Charles Rodas. Yes, this book, How to Help Someone Receive the Holy Ghost, can be found on Amazon. And I'm going to read you a couple quick testimonies. Joey says, a life-changing knowledge. I've never seen a book on altar working yet and was excited to get my hands on this. I'm absolutely thrilled with all the information and revelations stored within. My own faith has been built in reading this, and I'm excited to put this into action and see the great results God will give through faith in his promise. Crunch says, a foundation book for altar workers. Combined with experience and scriptures, a lesson in proper handling of people who is seeking the Holy Ghost. I'm reading this with an open mind and wasn't disappointed by Brother Rodas' instructions and passion for the lost. I would highly recommend it the book for teaching new ministry. Well, I want to encourage you to go to Amazon right now and get this book. And um, I have put more than four decades of study and practice into this book. This book, How to Help Someone Receive the Holy Ghost, is really a totality of my notes that I have taken and put in book form for your convenience. Go to Amazon now and be blessed. Mm-hmm.